What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Blunt Instruments with Jake and Luke. This is now, if I can pull it up fast enough, episode 30, Jake, 32. Episode 32. I was, I was What's up? 32 sounds about right. Yep, yep. So this episode, as you can see in the description, is because, first off, we wanted to, it's been 15 years since Casino Royale was released. Now it'd be 15 years technically in November, but we all have our fingers crossed for something else in November. So we wanted to kind of get this out of the way now because Jake and I personally both love this film and have a lot to say about this film and not in the usual ranking ways, but just a lot of different angles and a lot of different things we'd like to discuss. But before I get into that, let me introduce you to Jake. What's going on, pal? Hey, mate. How are you? Not too bad. Leaving for Florida in like less than a w- less than two weeks. And I can't nice. wait. That would be good. How long are you going for? A month. Christ. An yeah, entire month. For some, isn't it? I know. I know. Yeah, wow. What's going on with you? Uh, not a lot, mate. Just tracking along. Things are going very well over here, so I, nothing too interesting, to be honest. Yeah, it's summertime, isn't it? Yeah, so it's been like 35 degrees all week. It's just disgusting at the moment. Yeah. Um, but it's starting to cool down a bit. So people are going to listen to this and be like, oh, God, he's complaining that it's 35 degrees. Yeah, yeah, you deal with it. I think most people aren't going to know what you're talking about because that's Celsius. So what is that, 70s, 80s? Uh, Forget it, who cares? <laughs> yeah, type it out. Oh. Type it out. Well, he's yeah. doing that. Well, he's doing that. Um, I'll give you guys some updates. Did you figure it out? 95. 95? Holy Christ. Yeah. Yow. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that sounds oh. terrible. Sounds yeah. terrible. Um, but, yeah, so we, uh, we've we got some, some changes coming to the podcast, some good ones, um, and we'll discuss that in the near future, probably within the next couple weeks, probably uh, – Maybe first week of March, you'll hear what's coming on. But uh, we also decided to, for the time being, make this every two weeks. So there was a new episode every Friday. Now it's going to be every other Friday, just so we can make sure that we get, um, you know, time for our guests to join us, get the editing down properly. You know, Jake and I have been really busy with jobs and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, you know, and just I think that's the thing, isn't it? Life. It's just that we want to make sure that every episode that we put out there sounds the best it can do. And right. you know, we've said it before. This is a second job; it's not our first job. And just being able to have the time to do that properly—that every couple of weeks, I know there'll be people who hopefully yeah. enjoy listening to this every week. But we're aiming that they're twice as good each second yeah. week. Yeah, not going anywhere. Just getting, just getting stronger. And you will see in the in the weeks to come with a very special announcement. But uh, but yeah, with that said, I mean, like Jake said, we've got people reaching out to us wanting to be on the podcast. We reach out to other people wanting to be on the podcast. We've got all kinds of topics we want to discuss, but um, just so far not enough time. So we needed to stretch it out a little bit. But with, and that, with said, that as well, if anyone's listening who does want to come on and want to have a chat, reach out to local. Right? We we're always happy to have whoever on. We love getting to, to meet new people as well. So if there it is makes anyone it listening, sound like we don't actually have people wanting to we, we do. You're like, but so no, with that said, please, please, please. 
No, there's always that thing, isn't it? Like, you know, we only know a certain amount of people. I'm sure there's people out there who we haven't met or haven't sort of spoken to in the past as well. And, you know, that's what we do this for. We love getting to know people. So if there is anyone listening who just wants to come on and chat about Bond for 45 minutes, let us know. Yeah. Yeah, please do. But yeah, so let's jump into this. So we wanted to discuss Casino Royale as it's been 15 years to the year, not to the date, but to the year. And um, kind of a, a ironic coincidence as well. David Zaritsky and some of his pals um, released an episode about Daniel Craig's style throughout his films. And they obviously discussed Casino Royale pretty heavily on there. Jake, I'm not sure if you had the time to listen to that one yet, but it's very good. And um, with that said, I am going to steal a little bit of something David did in that episode. And when we talk about the style, I'm going to ask you some of your favorites and some of them that you would you would get rid of. Maybe just kind of some that you could still wear today and then some that you think may not have aged well. But yeah. uh, before we get into that, let's start at the very beginning. So obviously, every James Bond we've had up until this point, tall, dark hair. You know what I mean? Just the usual, pretty much straight from the page. I know people that really dive into it can say like, oh, you know, um, Timothy Dalton kind of seemed like he was more from the page than Roger Moore or however you want to look at it. But pretty similar in styles. They were all tall, darker hair, you know, the tall, dark and handsome, um, you know, phrase. Then we find out that Daniel Craig is the rumor. And then on that faithful day in October. 2005, sailing across the River Thames in that Royal Marine speedboat with his hair flapping in the wind. <laughs> Here he comes. I remember how I felt in that moment. I want to ask you, how did you feel when you found this out? And you had to have been living there at the time, I'm assuming, right? You were still in the UK at this point? Yes, there or thereabouts. Um, I remember seeing it, and I think that uh, Casino Royale is always difficult to talk about without talking about Die Another Day. Like, mm-hmm. there's something about those two films just because they follow each other, and it's almost like the the sequence of events that Die Another Day had on Casino Royale that I think that those two are always going to be sort of linked for for really sort of strong Bond fans. That we've just seen Die Another Day and being I can't remember how old I was. I wasn't very old, but seeing Die Another Day and Pierce Brosnan had been our James Bond and then you get this bloke who yep. like you said comes across the Thames he I think honestly the one bit of mistake that they made was that they should have just cut his hair before they did that right that's I know that sounds like a stupid thing to say but if they'd cut his hair he'd look more like Bond because he didn't look like that in the films he didn't have like long blonde hair when his hair's cut a bit shorter it's not as bright blonde yeah, and he also didn't have that hairstyle really in previous films. No. You know what I mean? Like Layer Cake, like, that's not what his hair was. No, you know, so, so it was just like that was what he obviously just hadn't had a haircut or that was what he was doing with his hair at the time. But I saw him, and honestly, at my, uh, my tender young age of however old I was, I can't do maths, don't ask me to, but it just looked, it just, it didn't look like it was for me. And... I remember thinking, I'm not going to like this James Bond. And I probably thought, I'm just going to hate this actor and I'm not going to enjoy it. That was honestly my first first opinion of that. And I I was not looking forward to seeing a James Bond film with Daniel Craig in it. And right. now, 
fast forward 15 years i'm sitting on a james bond podcast because of daniel craig right yeah same and um you know for me so first off i want to touch on the hair comment do you think maybe because they knew i mean it's it's weird to say because he he fits into this role perfectly but at that time they knew they knew that barbara and michael knew this but they also knew that, especially I think like UK wise, there was some issues with this casting. People were, you know, like the blonde Bond. I remember those like uh, yeah. tabloid head covers and whatever head covers, headlines, golf, golf. So for me, do you think maybe they were like, you know what, leave your hair long. So when this film comes out and you've bulked up and your hair's short and you got the tux, people are going to be like, Wow. You know, I'm like almost like transformation, just shocked by like, you know what? He does look like Bond and he looks like a Bond I've never seen. You might think maybe I, think they played that I little love, game with us. I love that idea. I also know the actual answer now. I prefer your idea than the actual answer. What's the actual answer? Did you look it up? Uh, he was halfway through film, uh, filming The Invasion. And he had long hair in the invasion. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Well, okay. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll uh, yeah. see you next week. Okay, so I right. like your idea, Beds. Like, but I do too. If, I do too. Even if um that's the reason he was filming that film. And you know, like I'm I'm just going off a bit. Like I'm reading Wikipedia and I was just sort of jumping around a little bit. And even in Wikipedia when it's talking about the casting, it's this is the actual sentence that it says. Um, MGM announced press conference that Craig would be the sixth actor, blah, blah, blah. Taking time off from reshoots for the invasion, a business suit clad, rather long-haired Craig boarded an H- uh, Royal Marines. So it's like, even in the Wikipedia, they can't let it lie that he had long hair and just looked bizarre. Right. But that's the reason. But I think what you said... Even if it's not done on purpose, it still had the same effect. Like, you see him in that sort of press conference compared to him in that first black and white scene. They are literally night and day with how they look and how he comes across. So, maybe not their intention, but it definitely worked with to the same effect. Yeah. Yeah, see, so for me, when he was announced... And it's interesting because, you know, I'd, I'd have a real hard time believing that most people my and your age, you know, growing up watching these films would ever really be overly critical, like as a kid, like as a child. But I do remember being very upset because for starters, I just didn't want Pierce Brosnan to leave. He was all I knew. And obviously I'd seen the old ones, but it was kind of like. And I know you're not a big Star Wars guy, but it's kind of the Star Wars effect where four, five, and six come out, and then you grow up watching those, and then you're like, okay, but one, two, and three are still coming, and they're going to be bigger and better because of the effects and all the technology and whatever. But then when three ends and Anakin does what he does and turns into Darth Vader, you're like, okay, now all I have is episode four. Like, I'm so upset about how three ended, but all I can do is turn to four. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, you're looking for some sort of closure and you know there is closure, but you're not happy with what it is. So it's like with this, I'm like, I don't want Pierce Brosnan to leave. Yes, I've seen the old ones, but the old ones as a kid didn't matter to me as much because 
I grew up with Pierce Brosnan and the video games, and there was all this stuff just in your face as a kid, which isn't the case now for kids. But it's like, I just remember being really pissed, you know? And then I went and watched Layer Cake, and I was like, he's skinny. Not like any of the other Bonds weren't skinny. They were all skinny. But I was like, he's too skinny. He just looked like somebody that needed to bulk up to me, you know? But, of course, fast forward a year later, you know, I was freaking out of my friends yeah. for saying he sucks. Like, I was like, I'll kill all of you. He's the best. Yeah. It's just, um, I don't know. Like, I think that uh, good and bad fact that he didn't have maybe the, I don't want to say the sort of the fame behind him because he was still well known in his own right. It definitely wasn't right. as much as I'd say like Pierce Bosnan, but Pierce Bosnan, I'm pretty sure came out of the womb looking like James Bond. Like Probably. He, he was, and like you said, he was our James Bond. But if you actually look at someone like Timothy Dalton, someone like that, the switch between Timothy Dalton to, to Pierce Bosnan isn't that massive with just how they look, like hair colour, hairstyle, things like that, not that oh. massive. And then you keep going through the films and they're not that huge, like... Probably the next biggest would maybe be Sean and Roger. I'd say those mm-hmm. two are probably the biggest outliers with how they look, but that's also right. a time difference thing. But then you have Daniel Craig, who looks like none of them. Like, you put... You know, like, you'll see that picture where they're all, like, lined up together? Yeah. And you look at them. Daniel Craig still looks like the odd one out. Right. Um. And, yeah, I know at the time, like, there was so much anger in England when it came out. Like there is, there is a website called Daniel Craig is not bond.com. Um, I don't want to give this piece of shit a plug because it's still up and running. Um, which makes no sense. It's, um, yeah. If someone from the community is running this page, I'm I'm sorry that I'm taking the piss out of your website, but (laughs) I'm pretty sure there's like a masterclass or something on how to set up a website that you should, you should probably use because uh-huh. this is this is no good. Um, but yeah, just the anger in England. Like basically, get give anything to the Sun or the Daily Mail that people aren't slightly happy with, and they'll make it out to be the next biggest thing. So oh yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. They always say that any publicity is um is good publicity, don't they? Like. What is it here? Yep. The Daily Mirror run a front page saying the name's Bland, James Bland. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's ridiculous, dude. Get but, out of here. But this is the thing: is like we look back on that now, and you're like, "That's stupid." At the time, it wasn't, and I right. think that's something to always remember. That I remember reading things like that and seeing things like that, going, "Yeah, I agree." And then I am. I'd say that 99% of the people who, who wrote about that right. now wouldn't have that opinion. But you read about who else they were looking to cast, and it, it sounds like it said they, they auditioned over 200 people. But Which is insane. Sounding, the next person that they said that could be in contention was Henry Cavill. Um, but he was only 22. So good luck getting a James Bond who's 22. Um there was also another couple. There was um, was a Croatian actor. I'm not even going to give his name a guy, but he couldn't get a British accent. And then there was a New Zealander. Um, 
Cole Urban, but he wasn't able to make like screen tests. Like they're the other names I've been throwing around in this. Sam Worthington as yeah. well, but like, yeah, I don't know. It, we got lucky in the end because I agree. Like I think Henry Cavill, twenty-two. Think about that. Someone who's like a fair bit younger than us right now. Ben James Bond, like, come on. Oh, yeah, that'd be nuts. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, once again, Barber and Michael, they saw something in Daniel Craig, and I'm very glad that they did. Yeah, that's why they do it and we don't. So let me ask you, what was your experience like when you first saw the film? Do you remember what that was like? Do you remember seeing the black and white? Yeah. So I think um, this was, when we did that interview where you interviewed me, I think this is still probably one of my fondest like Bond memories with when it comes to sort of ties with family and that because I went to see this film in Leicester Square, so the same place where they yeah. do all the premieres for a lot of this stuff. I know now it's at the Royal Albert Hall, but like the cinema where they normally do the premieres for a lot of big films. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically the, the Odin in Leicester Square it's like an old theatre almost so it's like tiered seating and then we were up on like the balcony bit so I were looking at and I went with my granddad it was who didn't get to see a lot living in a different country so he you know he'd come back we'd go out and have a day we'd go on like the Belfast which is like one of the war ships up mm-hmm. in London so I think we did that and then um then went to see this film and I remember that coming on like it just going pitch black and then that coming up and there's that bit in it where he shoots him and it's it's almost like a bit of a jump scare it's, yeah because it's like real quiet and this cinema is loud like i'm talking the loudest cinema you've ever been in in your life and right. i thought my grandma was gonna die sitting next to me like <laughs> hey, i have never seen a man yeah like, bloody hell mate there was there was a hole going through the ceiling how high he jumped he uh, was like, I just remember him sitting next to me going, fuck, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but just for me, that's still one of, like, probably my fondest memory of seeing a Bond film was was going to that. There was a bit of sort of, I don't know, I just suppose the location, going to my granddad, and it was like, that was what we were doing that day. I'd like to think that maybe No Time to Die will hopefully sort of take over from that now that we've waited so long for it. But, yeah, that one's probably – that's how I saw it. What about you? So I I hate to say I don't actually remember seeing it in theaters. I obviously know I did. I would have been 2006, like, uh, like 14, 15. I don't remember seeing it in theaters, but I do remember – once getting it on DVD, basically either watching it from start to finish every day or even having it on as background noise, like going to sleep, any, like I had it on all day, you know. And then yeah. this was where, like, you know, not to get uh, a little a little deep with it, but, like, at the time, you know, when I was, like, a senior in high school or whatever, it would have been – oh, no, actually, this would have come out before that, but – you know, like by the time I started like dating, you know, and I was like mid high school or whatever, I remember like, yeah. I mean, it's not like I remember the girl I was dating who I'm friends with now, shout out to her, but uh, she'd break she's up with me like every like, yeah, uh-huh. she's not, listening. she may, 
But she would she would break up with me like every 10, 11 months. And did you, you deserve know, it though? Absolutely not. I was a high oh, school bullshit. kid. Yeah. Today, yeah. probably. Today, probably. <laughs> Back then, absolutely not. I stand by that. Um, <laughs> but, but no, like we, you know, and and this is where it gets a little, um, you know, like somebody who might not be in the community might think this is ridiculous, but. Shout out to Mr. Harris Thomas when he came on here. He kind of said something similar, and I remember saying it to him. But, you know, this kind of shaped the way I started to behave. You know what I mean? And not in a sense where I was, like, trying to womanize or things like that. But it was a sense of where I was like, you know what? Like, I I tend to be somebody who's always trying to please everybody. And at the end, look how that turns out. And it's like you have to start just taking care of yourself. You know what I mean? Like not to get deep with it. But it's like by the end of the film, he becomes literally to me the most badass cinematic character of all time. For me as a 14-year-old kid, I was 15. And then obviously this carried on when I was 16, 17, 18. But it's like seeing this as a kid, I was like this guy literally falls in love with this film or falls in love in this film. And then by the end of the film, he's like, I am going to take down anybody who ever pisses me off ever again. Not, you know what I mean? So I'm not trying to get like morbid with it at the same time, but it just kind of gave me like, it kind of shaped like how I started to try to like live as like, you know, heading into my upper teens and how I treated like relationships and how I allowed people to treat me. You know what I mean? In a weird way. Yeah, and don't I cry. Think there's a, don't cry. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know. No, I, th- I think there's a big like, and I agree with that. There's there's a transition in how he acts and even how he moves and you know holds himself throughout that film that is a very good uh, role model. Is probably a strange word because you know kills yeah, people. Yeah, but, but I know what you like mean. I, I know what you mean. It, there, there's like a real sort of mix between it, isn't it? It's like, don't do what he's doing, but take aspects of what he does and how he does it, and you will become a better person. Like, that's plain and simple. Like, hold your head high, walk with good posture, um, give respect but demand respect, things like that that you see throughout that film that, you know, if everyone did a bit more of that, the world would probably be a better place and people would be a lot more confident. So, yeah, I completely... Completely agree. Um, we have to go on and talk about the probably what I'm going to get roasted for because normally it happens once in an episode where I say something stupid that then before we before you do before you yeah. do let me touch on something. Let's leave people in suspense for a second before you say whatever you think is because this be one's stupid. a big one. Yeah. Yeah. But no, what I was going to say because of how you said it, um, and now I'm kind of losing it. I'm freaking out. I'm losing it a little bit. Oh no no no. So obviously James Bond as a character is as an orphan, right? And we know why, like in Skyfall or the books, like you eventually find out why. Like I don't relate to that. You know, I had a very good childhood. I'm very fortunate in that yeah. way. But he was the first Bond to ever truly convey that for me. And like, yes, I get that they discuss it on the train and she calls him out on it. And you see for the first time Bond kind of gets like a little – not speechless, but taken aback. Mm. Somebody was able to analyze him like he can analyze people. But, like, you never felt, maybe aside from, like, George Lazenby, which is crazy to say, but you never felt bad for Bond at any point in time, ever. No. 
but then the most badass version of him comes along and you can still be like, he's got so many dimensions to his character. You know, like even in this film, like, yes, he sleeps with Vesper and he sleeps with Solange, but he doesn't seem like a womanizer. He doesn't seem like how he had been portrayed in all the rest of the films, just like girl after girl after girl and yeah. this after this after this. I mean, obviously in Quantum, he goes on and kills like the most people he'd ever killed in a film yeah. or whatever. But it's just like he finds a way like to be relatable in a very unrelatable situation. But That's I just I think saying. this is this is one of the first times where the film isn't just a I'm trying to be really careful what I say because I don't want to sound like I'm bagging out the other films because I'm not but there's a bit of a cookie cutter approach sometimes to these James Bond films it's like beginning have a great intro middle have a problem James Bond fixes it end all good right that's that's the very basic formula of this film but Casino Royal jumps around and that makes it feel more realistic like one problem creates another problem, creates another problem, and it feels like a continuous time loop compared to some of the other films. Like, And like what you're saying, look at Roger Moore. I love Roger Moore films, but they are, like Roger Moore is a lot more one-dimensional compared to the mm-hmm. other things. Like, um, it is Living That Die, isn't it, where he, he's got the, the woman comes into his house. No, where's the one that you see, his apartment? Um, anyway, oh, like... God. Where M comes in, he's got the magnetic watch. Roger Moore films have blurred into one for me now because I watched them all in like two days to do that ranking episode. So it's like there was that one film. Um, Anyway, but like we talk about that and it's like that part really sums up Roger Moore to me where it's like he hides a girl in in his closet whilst M comes in and talks to him and then he goes off and things like that. That doesn't happen with Daniel Craig. It's very much more... It makes you feel like his actions are actually what the actions of a real human being could be like. Right. Um, it actually anyway. is live and let die, by the way. You were right. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm not going mental. But, right. I think what we actually need is that every episode now, we have like a little little mini intro and we make a soundtrack up for Jake's unpopular opinion. Um, <laughs> so this is where that's going to be. So I'll leave a little it'll break take up, here. It'll take up half the episode. <laughs> we'll, we'll make a little... I hate George Lazenby. <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'm Australian we'll make, and I hate George Lazenby. We'll make a little song and put that in the middle right here. So just remember the time. Oh, but like, this a little, is... like a little theme song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like a... So, something stupid. Yeah, that's it. So my <laughs> unpopular opinion for this week is that I don't like Ava Green as Vesper. Yeah, I don't know if I can even touch on that because I, <laughs> I think that's just you. I think like that's I just said, you. I I apologize. Um, I know that for many, if not the majority, she's one of people's favorite Bond girls, and I get it. Just don't know. Just don't know. No. It's okay. It's okay. Everybody's got their opinion, and and to touch on that too. Recently, I've been saying some things in our podcast making fun of some of the actors and stuff. I I respect everybody's opinion. Jake, even this one, as ridiculous as it is. So if anybody was upset by any of that, I apologize. All the Bonds are good. They're just good in different ways. Yeah. Eva Green, whether you liked her or not, I think she did the role really well. I yeah. really think she played the role well. Yeah, she, I just I don't know what it is, and that's the thing that probably frustrates me. That's the only thing that frustrates me about this film is it's like, 
there's nothing wrong. And this is my my honest opinion on the film. Is like there's nothing wrong with her in this film. Right. She she plays the part pretty well. It's all good. I just every time I see her, she comes on. I'm just like, oh, fuck. like <laughs> I just, who would you cast if you could recast it? Who would you cast? Because before you answer, before yeah. you answer though, you got to understand when they cast her, they cast somebody that they they needed to play Bond's counterpart. Mm-hmm. So a Christmas Jones type role, this is not. So somebody like Denise Richards or like a more modern day Denise Richards could never, ever play this role, in my opinion. Like she needed to be an actor's actor. Yeah, you know what I mean? No, but beautiful no. at the same time. I agree with that. And I'm looking at the, the list of people who were in contention for that role, right? So... um. Big, Probably some bigger big, names on there. Big names in there. So we've got Angelina Jolie and Charlize Theron. Right. Those two. Charlize Theron, I think, probably could have done a really good job with it, to be truthfully honest. I think that she is a good enough actress to do it. Angelina Jolie, very good actress again, but I think that would way have just been famous. a bit. I think yeah. they're both too famous. I think they're both way too famous. And this is the thing. This is a, this is a completely separate topic but is very telling i think of how they cast their roles when ana de armas and ben affleck were apparently still together and the alleged you can't bring yeah. ben affleck to the thing like no way are they going to cast the relatively and like jason kim has kind of called me out on this before and i appreciate it because he's right some of these actors when we say relatively unknown in different countries are not necessarily unknown but when i'm talking about like globally daniel craig was relatively unknown he is not a tom Cruise. like daniel craig is freaking daniel craig now but back then he was not you know what I, he was not famous per se it's, it's just being recognizable and being a, a an actor is completely different than being famous you know what i mean yeah. like we're talking like avengers actors are famous like he's james bond he is famous but at the time if they had cast Daniel Craig and then his counterpart supposed to be Angelina Jolie, it we never would have worked. Yeah. Charlize Theron wouldn't have worked at the time either. I mean, she was definitely lesser known at the time, but just, I don't know, just would have been really strange. No, I agree. I, and like I said, this is, this is the thing that um, you asked me who I would rather have. And I can't answer that right now. I could maybe yeah. come back and, and answer that. Like, I'm looking at some of the other names, and I actually really enjoyed, um, so Audrey Tattoo, who was in The Da Vinci Code in 2006. Uh, yeah. um, really good actress. She's been in some really good films. And I actually think she probably could have done a really good job. Like, she's sort of... Maybe not as well known now. Like she, she hasn't done a huge amount to be honest. Um, right. But like she was in some really good films. Um, like I'm just having a look here. She was in that Amelia. A lot of French films and things like that. But yeah. Um, I just, I just looking at her, I just feel like maybe she's just not um, Bond's type. If he yeah, even has a type. And that's fine. Like I, like I said. I don't know if there's an answer to this that I could give 
but that's just my thing is that there's something about Ava Green and I don't know I just I think there's parts in that film where she she plays it and I just you know how we were talking about how we feel like this film is the most believable one there's yeah. parts in it where she comes into it that makes me not believe the film so right. that's probably what it is for me that there's definitely parts and the way that she talks and things like that can sometimes just see a seem a bit a bit forced right. like that train scene christ i am gonna really annoy some people with this one because i know <laughs> that once again that is like a lot of people's favorite scene i i love the idea of that scene i think her delivery in that just bugs the shit out of me to be honest um like how she's talking it's like it doesn't feel like a, how that actual conversation would go with someone talking um okay that's the end of my segment. I was going to say, the train scene is like one of the most epic scenes of in the entire series. Like, Jake. I, I, yeah, buddy, I know. We're trying, I, to, I know. we're trying to gain listeners, not lose them. I know. Come on. Um, but like I said, I love the idea of it, and I do like the scene. I'm talking about, we're looking at this as someone who's seen the film way too many times. Like, oh. that's, that's the issue. We've seen this film too many times. Um the film wasn't designed for people like us. The film is designed to watch every now and then, not to be, you know, over talked about in a podcast. So that that's just my my one thing about this film. I honestly feel like nearly everything else is perfect, but that's the end. I am no more unpopular opinions for me today. Play the outro. <laughs> that's not where we're at. That is not where we're at. We got time and time. Okay, so here, let's let's move on to the format of the film. So you touched on like the, I'll say um, the Roger Moore, Sean Connery, you know, the, uh, the formula. So this one strays away from that in many different ways, starting with the fact Q doesn't exist. Gadgets technically don't exist. He's got a car with a defibrillator and a gun. That's it. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that's the only, that's it. And the defibrillator is not. His phone's got like a GPS, which for the time was slightly more advanced. uh, Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. But I mean, even that, just you know, in the in the regular Bond fashion, he does not have gadgets. Let's just say it that way. So his car doesn't. You know, he doesn't have a pen that explodes. His watch doesn't shoot lasers. Um, you know, the usual gags, which. just to sort of touch on like what we were talking about before, you've gone from Die Another Day, where there's a car that's invisible. Right. Right. And like that's probably the most over the top gadget film, I'd say. It's like the watch does something, the car does something, the the bad guy's car does something. Everyone everything right. happens to this where it's like there's a phone and there's a car where in your glove box it's slightly more organized to hold your gun. That's right. in essence what that is. Right, right. I mean, for me, it's like this was like around the time, too, when like the Bourne films were really picking up steam. So they were like, we can't compete with these films if we keep making films like Die Another Day, because that was just, you know, and like this is the thing. As a kid, I was obsessed with Die Another Day. Pierce Brosnan could do no wrong. And like, it's just weird joining this community and doing what we do and then analyzing these films and seeing just, you know, Pierce Brosnan will always be phenomenal to me. But the stories just between Die Another Day to Casino Royale are just night and day with with quality, in my opinion. But well, I can still watch Die Another Day and enjoy it. 
I know yeah, I've me too. before, and me this too. isn't, but I, I don't actually hate it that much. I sort of will jokingly talk about it, about how bad it is, but I'm actually still fine with it. Like, still yeah. give me that compared to a lot of other things. But you, you touched on Born there, and if I'm right, Born, they didn't really have any gadgets in that either, did they? No, he didn't have any. He had none. No. Nothing. Anything. If he had anything, it was something that you could actually find on an assassin in that yeah. time period. It was like, like plausible that you could go and buy it oh, from somewhere. But like, I mean, and he he was constantly on the run, so there was other people with it. Like when that guy, I think in Supremacy, like plants Bourne's fingerprint. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you can technically plant somebody's fingerprint, I think, with like scotch tape. You know yeah. what I mean? So. Yeah, they didn't yeah, have anything. I got a bit over them, to be honest. Did you? Like, I feel like I really enjoyed the first one and then just lost it. And then I stopped watching and then all of a sudden, like, Jeremy Rayner was in it. Yeah, I liked the first three and then his and then the most recent one with Matt Damon. Again, I didn't really care for. I don't even but, uh, but, yeah, so, but, yeah, it's formula-wise. So we're missing Q. We're missing the gadgets. We're missing some other elements. And yet, to me, this might be top. I mean, for me, it's number one. But I think most people would agree that it's top five. Maybe you can go as far as saying top three films in the entire series. Top five, at least. Why do you think that is? When they completely strayed from the formula, why do you think they were able to make something so... I mean, and let's just let's just stray for a second. So... And just humor me here. And I know we've done this before, but this film was nominated for 44 different nominations, 44 nominations, 27 wins, including BAFTAs, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different BAFTA awards. And it won one for sound. But David Arnold was nominated. Daniel Craig was nominated. Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, and Paul Haggis were nominated. I mean, the accolades were through the roof for this film yeah why was it what what was it what was it that made this film so much better than anything pierce Bre- and not in my opinion critically speaking why was why was it you had the same writers you still had a great bond before him why did the bond that everybody thought was going to be terrible become most people's favorite so for me i think that when you actually look at critical success for a film and you look at what makes a good film, the idea behind it is very simple. It's have a good storyline and have good actors. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the the most basic way of looking at a film, in my opinion, is if you have those two things, you will make a good film. Right? And I think that at times some of the other Bond films have actually lacked one of those aspects of it. Right. So let's talk about Die Another Day. Good actors, yeah. We've got Miss, some really good actors good, in there. Yeah, we've had this. Good actors yeah. mis, miscast. Miscast and storyline. Storyline straight. Um, you know, and then we talk about a film like Goldeneye that everyone loves again. Good actors. Everyone was doing the right thing. Good storyline. Gone back to Casino Royale. Fantastic actors. Um, apart from Eva Green. Fucking hell. <laughs> um, no, no. <laughs> good actors who were cast very well but the storyline like that to me is just what makes this film so well received is that this was Mm -hmm. the culmination of just having both of them done right 
to the the highest level and I know that sounds like the most basic answer but I think that it can be that simple that it's like don't overcomplicate things get the right people doing the right things mm-hmm. get the writers writing a film that number one they probably wanted to write after Die Another Day yeah, and let them make start. it yeah you do that you're going to get a film like this and then that's where I don't know I feel like sometimes you can go in a bit of a cycle you then get a film like Quantum of Solace where it's like use the success of Casino Royale and it starts to go a little bit the actors are good the storyline lacks and then you come back to something like Skyfall and it's like let's go back to that formula good actors like really right. good actors again really good storyline there we go we've got a really good Bond film again great director like, yeah that's really simple way to look at it but I think that for me that's probably why why this one is going to last for so long well like, in my opinion you hit the, you hit the nail on the head it's the simplicity behind it. And I think, like you said, after Die Another Day, and, you know, critically speaking, it wasn't very well received. It did well financially. Pierce Brosnan, I think, will always be well received as Bond. I mean, you he reads what's on the page, and he does it very well. Um, but when you're somebody like Neil Purvis and Robert Wade, you think to yourself, like, I, you know, this might not have been our best work. Yeah. And how do we recover from that? And I think to them it was an origin story, but they were like, you know, and, and it, it's the way that they they ended things with Pierce Brosnan, too. You know, they just called him, said it was a good, you know, hell of a run, whatever. That's it. You know what I mean? How like the most to it, do it but it worked the yeah. best way, didn't it? Like, right. They just finished right. it. You know, it was just like completely close that chapter. You know, if I would have apologized. I've been like, Pierce, I'm sorry, man. This we we did you wrong here. But, um, you know, for this to come in, new bond, new story. You see how he became 007. You see his struggles with, you know, it's just like this shapes his entire tenure. You know what I mean? And not in a way where it's like, you know, like where Golden I did, we're like. Pierce Brosnan came in, you were like, this is awesome. All these are going to be awesome. No, in a way where it's like you see a vulnerable, blunt instrument. You know what I mean? Wildly rough. Thank you. Wildly rough around the edges. And you see him shaped into the quantum version by the events of this film. You know what I mean? And then it's like Skyfall comes and you don't see him like falling in love with anybody in Skyfall. And then, you know what I mean? So it's like years and years later where he allows himself to be vulnerable with somebody else again, which, you know, I think none of that could have been pulled off properly if it wasn't for every second of this film. You know what I'd love to hear from? And I I don't know if there's anyone listening to this right now who could let us know this, but I'd love to hear from someone who's a bit older, right? Because... I feel like our view of things are a little bit tainted. We watched Die Another Day, and we would have been roughly, I say, 10, 11. Yeah. Is that, does that yeah. sound about right? I remember seeing it front row, like elementary school or junior yeah. high with my friends and my dad. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So we were around that age, right? We watched Bright Colors, Loud Bangs, Good Looking Girls, and Pierce Brosnan. Mm-hmm. We... We look at that film differently even now. I'd love to hear from someone who maybe watched Die Another Day at like 40. Like I feel like like genuinely around that right. sort of age, about right. 40. 
what they thought of that compared to Casino Royale. Because if I watch something like Die Another Day, even now, um, around sort of the age of 30, I'd probably watch this and be like, Christ, what are they doing? I'd love to hear from someone who watched that then because I think that was a real make or break stage for that film. Like, money is good and money will keep the Bond franchise going, but I reckon that that film could have, all Bond films are going to make money. I reckon that Die Another Day almost was like a turning point where it's like, do we just stop this now? Like, is that is that this? Like, it hasn't done very well. It's not that great, whatever. Right. And then they've come back with this. But I'd love to hear from someone who, does that make sense, what I'm saying? Like, who saw that film at yeah. that age and how they found it? Yeah, I'm going to post this question right now on, on Instagram and see what we get. But, um, because there's a lot of people that, who we know are like close to our age um, who saw the film when they were that sort of, you know, even in teens, like you can still see something when you're in your teenage years and, you know, you think, oh, yeah, that's cool, isn't it? Like, let's get loads of the cars invisible and shit like that. I'd love to know from someone who was that bit older, you know, but yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, I mean, so I'll ask you this question while I'm posing this question to the to the followers on Instagram. I'll ask you this. So. With Daniel Craig coming in and completely changing the franchise around, do you think that – I'm trying to figure out how to word it. Because I understand what you're saying with Die Another Day, and I was the same way. Like, none of his films were bad, in my opinion. Or not even bad. I won't even say bad. But none of them were – like, I was just waiting to see the next one, and everything was new and colorful and yeah. loud and what. But when you got to Casino Royale, which, yes, still has – all the action you could possibly I mean it's got a Guinness World Record for Christ's sake. So yeah. when that film came along and you started to get older, do you feel like you became more interested in the story versus when you were a kid and it was the cars and the girls and Halle Berry in a bathing suit and whatever else? Or were you like, I don't care if Eva Green's beautiful or not, I care about what she says and I care about what yeah. he says and I care about their relationship. Did you feel yourself evolving at that point? Not in like a like a masculine way, but just like mm. you're older, the the style's different. Did you catch on to it, or did you sit there and think like, oh, this is nothing like Die Another Day, and I don't like it? I think honestly that we've talked about this before. I like action films as much as the next person. I'm fine with them, but for me, even as a younger kid, it was always about the story of a film. But I don't think that I was ever able to articulate that or realise that. So before this, um, I'd say that probably my favourite film was um, was Live and Let Die. And I mm-hmm. still think that Live and Let Die's story holds up very well because it's exotic and it dives into like an interesting area that we don't see every day, which is like voodoo, you know. There's right. a lot going on in Die Another Day, global politics, things like that. You then come into this film and, yeah, there's still a lot of action. But this was definitely the time where it went back. And it, I remember watching it and just coming out and thinking about the film and what had just happened. Rather than thinking about, oh, I just saw a massive gunfight and that was cool. Because you forget those things. Right. That, right. There's definitely some that will still stick with you, like... You think about Skyfall and like the you know the the shootout scene at like the the house when they're mm-hmm. doing all that stuff. That's still very 
very well known. I still love that scene. But with this film, I didn't come out thinking about that Guinness World Record car flip. I came right. out thinking what had just happened and how you'd almost watched a man start at the bottom, fall in love, get mm-hmm. broken down and end up, you know, thinking, where is this going to go now? And I can't wait to see where it goes. So, yeah, I, I do think this was probably the first time where you just come out of there and you're thinking 99.9% on the story and 1% right. on watching a car flip over. Agreed. Agreed. So with that said, to wrap it up, if you can remember, because I know I can, because I still feel this way after watching it every time. What was your reaction when the film ended? Like, what was your mood? What was your, you know what I mean? Like, what did you take from it? What did you think of it? And then what were you hoping for, if that makes sense? Yeah. Do you want me to go first? Do you want me to kind of uh, model it? Or yeah, did, yeah. did you, you get what yeah, I was saying? Yeah, you got it. Okay, so basically what I'm getting at was even today, if I watch it, like I watch it thinking he's a badass, he's a badass. Okay, he's got feelings, he's got emotions, he's been betrayed, he fell in love. When the film ends, I think to myself, like, the way it ends with the Mr. White scene, like, chills every time. And then I can remember when it first came out thinking, like, w- the next one needs to come out today. Like, not yeah. tomorrow, either today or yesterday. This movie needed to be a half hour longer. I needed more. I need everything. This, like, quantum can't come any sooner. Those were my reactions. I was like, this this film changed everything about this franchise for me and i feel all kinds of emotions i've never once felt watching a bond film and not saying like all the the previous ones were i love the majority of them but it's like you were sad you were sad for him you felt bad for him you were like ready to run through a wall when he said bond james bond like they waited the perfect time for him to say it like just a wide i'll say it that way a much broader range of emotions when this one was over than any of the previous ones for me. That's how. That's basically how I'm asking the question. So I I can remember exactly what happened when this film finished because it was one of the weirdest things that's ever happened when a James Bond film is finished. So indulge me because I'm gonna tell a little story. I feel like I've spoken a lot in this episode, and so sorry if people don't like my voice, but go and find another podcast because I'm I'm half of this. Right. Um, so when when this film finished, there's a very American thing. I don't know if it still happens, but I remember going to the cinema in America and people clap at the end of a film. Uh, what? Does that still happen? Do people? Yeah, still it depends. It? Just depends on the film. Why? Like Mar- Why Marvel movies? Yes. Film? No one's there. I can understand at a theatre. You're clapping Have you ever at the been people on an airplane when the they clap when you land the plane. <laughs> more it's like, you did your job. Um, but anyway, so I remember when that film finished, that is not something that used to happen in English cinemas, like ever. I I had never experienced that before. Right. So I'm in a room full of predominantly adults and that film finished, you know, when it, you've got the Mr. White and then you've got the, the Bond theme song and it is like pumping through there. Oh yeah. And there was almost just like, and like I said, that film was so loud. And what they did was it was like it got to that bit, it played that bit, and then as the credits started to roll, they really faded down the sound. And no one moved. 
there was like a cinema full of people and it just all went really still and then people just didn't know what to do because I don't think anyone was expecting what they had just seen and they sat through like you were saying this two-hour roller coaster of emotions amazing film amazing location and then people just started to clap and like I said I've never seen that before in an English cinema I don't think I've ever seen it again um and that's I mean, this is definitely the film to do it for yeah oh yeah but that's the film that's the way that i remember feeling when that film came out where you're just sitting there and you are like wide-eyed and you feel like you have just absolutely gone through the ringer and sort of just seen something that you know you you know when you see something you're like this this is going to have an impact somewhere somehow like this is this is something big that's how that felt to me yeah it was one of those films where i left yeah oh yeah I left the theater very quiet when it was done. Exactly. Right. I, I out and my, my granddad doesn't normally shut up. Like, he's a cockney, you know. Oh, you like, yeah, yeah. like you and know. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like, let's go watch pub. Let's go football at a pub. Exactly. Doesn't <laughs> normally stop talking. And we didn't say a word for like five minutes, just walking down the street. What word? It was almost It was almost just like, looked at each other, went, you all right? Yeah, you all right? Yeah, good. And then we just sort of walked out, and we just didn't really say anything for ages. Yeah. We almost like, I think we went to the pub, and we just walked in silence to the pub until we sat down. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've talked about it before. And it's funny, because I've got it on right now. It's at the part when, they, when uh, the police find those two... Uh, nigerian guys in the in the trunk at casino yeah. royale but um you know it's just i've said it 12 times already in this in this episode that it was a game changer but you know i mean i like in you know an eva green aside because you know what here's the deal people have opinions on every on everything like you you are not the only person that didn't didn't like eva green in the film there's people that didn't like mads mickelson in the film there's people yeah. that probably didn't like Mathis, like even me personally, like Mathis's character, I still didn't understand. I mean, they never, in my opinion, fully wrapped it up in Casino Royale that no. whether he was good or bad. And then in Quantum, they did. So it's like stuff like that. Sure. But when it comes to the film as a whole, it's to me, you know, and please, if anybody disagrees, I, we would love to hear it. But I think it's pretty close to as perfect as a film as you can get i really really think so for what the the, for what the purpose of it is i think the story was perfect i think the cinematography was perfect the casting was pretty close to perfect i mean if you just daniel craig himself gives gives it an 85 percent just casting him alone but then you know so everybody else is that smattering of the 15 percent but it's like like you said, the way they end it where the Bond theme song is just like slowly building over like over like 30 seconds to a minute. You know what I mean? You're just like, like, I know it's about to end and I'm really pissed and I want those that in bang, but like, don't end. Please don't. You know what I mean? Like, it's just something. It's it's a special experience. It really is. Sorry. Let me ask this. We sort of touched on this while at the beginning of the episode of we were more talking about the style and things like that. But when it comes to the film, what is is there one part of that film 
that you if you had to choose a bit that you took out of that film what would it be and then what is the section that if you could only ever watch let's say like a 10 minute section of a bond film on repeat what would it be so just specifically for this for casino just for this film yeah okay so yeah you didn't you i know you didn't have the chance to see david's thing but this is pretty close to what but they talked about it clothing wise because it was all style you know it was him uh john williams bobby from match perfectly and then of course kyle barbeau um so they did something similar but with with clothing which i said in the beginning i'm going to make you do but as far as this film scenes that i could watch forever a, a scene and then a scene that i would get rid of a scene i could watch forever oh god i don't even know all right let's start with a scene i could get rid of a scene i could probably get rid of would be oh man oh man dude i do you have yeah please please i'm gonna have to pay attention because i gotta think of this the only the only scene that i could maybe get rid of would be the miami airport bit yeah, I was gonna say I could, you could get. Yeah, I agree with that. I was thinking of that uh-huh. too because it 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 serves a purpose, but it it kind of it can yeah. be taken out. Feels a bit dragged out, and it sort of just feels a bit like it's shoehorned in there a little bit. Um, that's the only part. Like once again, still enjoy it, still good, yeah, right, but right. could probably get rid of that bit. For me, the scene that if if you were gonna give me and you said you can only ever watch this part of a James Bond film, and this is gonna be what it is over and over again. I'm probably going to go with, like, pretty much from the part where they're on the boat in Venice, nearer the end, and it takes you through her going to the bank and, you know, then obviously the building's collapsing and that. There's just something about that where that is probably, for me, the biggest, like, contrast between the most that he is in love with her when they're on the boat and when they get to that hotel room and, like, they're laying in bed. And it's almost yeah. like marital, marital bliss, isn't it? Like, they're not married, but that's what that looks like. It's like a honeymoon. Right, right. And then the contrast between that you with her pretty just much. just shut right off. Yeah. Yeah. With him, you know, trying to revive her, it not working, and then just being like, okay. That's right. probably still hits me in the feels. That's the one. Yeah, I think you kind of touched on even what I was getting at earlier when I was getting all – hashtag deep but uh you know that when you see him so wildly vulnerable and in love with somebody and and you take like everything you had seen from bond for the last 50 years at the time or 40 years at the time and then you see somebody like him just say like you know i'm i'm just i'm gonna be vulnerable i'm gonna be a regular person i'm gonna you know what i mean but then he just shuts it off and you're like damn like, if yeah. I could be that cold in real life, when needed, I wish I could. Because there is – everybody in life has the opportunity when someone's wronged them or somebody's – you know, whether it's a relationship or a job or whatever the case may be. And not, not to be, like, morbid with it, but there is points in time where I think everybody gets hurt by caring just a little too much. Or maybe yeah. you're caring too much for something or someone that may not deserve it. But he's just like, boom, done with it. I'm done with it. You know, what I mean? and yeah. that's that's obviously way, way easier said than done. But um, so I agree with you on the scene that I can get rid of um, the scene that I would actually, you know what? Just throw a wrench in it. The Madagascar scene, I don't necessarily need either. 
because mm, yeah. it's a very long scene. But the scene that I would watch forever, and I'm going to cheat a little bit, would be kind of like the the boat in Italy after the fact, when he's on the phone with M, leading up to the very end of the film. So yeah. like I think that's probably only maybe five minutes, if that. But like the phone call with M, when she kind of reveals everything that happened, and then the Mr. White scene. I think that's it yeah. for me. Um, so let's touch on the style because that's one of the things that me and you both yeah. have a bit of an affinity yeah. for. And let's do that film, one quick because we've gotten actually a bunch of responses already on what I posted. So yeah, let's just do it this way. Can you pick a style that you would wear every day if you could, and then a style that you would just scrap completely from this film? Yeah. Okay. Does that do it justice? Yeah. That. One, I feel like Casino Royale, we could sit here and we could make a podcast just about Casino Royale because this film is, you know, yeah. But for me, um, you know when he's driving the Ford Mondeo? We haven't even talked about the Ford Mondeo. Um, we're not going. <laughs> we no, are, yeah. We've talked we, about we the have, so We have talked about the Ford Mondeo for weeks on end now. The Ford Mondeo chat is dead. Um, so... The part where he's driving that. So, what's the location? What's that's um. The Mondeo. That's yeah, in a, yeah, that's Bahamas. it. Yeah. So, what he's wearing there, I hate it. Yeah, I, I don't like that suit either. I don't like that suit either. The white linen suit type thing, cream white or whatever. So, with a short sleeve shirt that's got epaulets. Yeah. Um, and like the trousers are okay, I suppose. They're linen, pretty nice. Don't like the sunglasses either. Um, that's probably it. The shoes are really nice. I do like them, but for me, it is difficult because that suit does serve a purpose. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. it's probably 95 Fahrenheit, like we were talking about earlier. That's 35 right. degrees. I learned right. that today. It, it's hot. He still wants to wear so just don't like how it looks, to be honest. I just think that it looks a bit... It, it makes him look older, and it's a bit dad-style to me. Mm-hmm. Like, turning up somewhere in a short-sleeve shirt underneath the suit. Like, just don't like that, how that yeah. looks. Probably my favourite look from this film is, um, you know, when he's talking to M at the end of the thing, and he's got the cardigan... He's got the yep. white oh, on the spell. Oh, yeah. Love that. Cream, cream. Don't like the chinos. Don't really like them. But that's because of the fit of them. Once again, serves a purpose. And I think that if that was done now, the fit would be very different. Because that's one thing to mention on this film. Is that the fit of this film was very classic for the time. Mm-hmm. Now things have gone slimmer. And I prefer slimmer clothes we can talk about this all day. I know there are people who are like, mm, stop painting his suits onto him. That's fine. understand that. But I'd, I'd have them a bit skinnier. Um, yeah. But just love that look. That is the one where it's like, if I was sitting on a boat and it was, you know, that temperature, it's like, I better stick on a cardigan because it's a bit cold. That's what I'd be wearing. Yeah. Okay. So for me, an outfit I would get rid of would be 
I actually don't like the outfit he wears like at the Ocean Club, the white short sleeve shirt. If that's if that's technically what he had on. Is that technically what he had on when he got off the plane? Yeah, yeah, it's that one. He's okay. just taking the jacket off. All right, well, I'll just I'll pick something different then for for variety's sake. Okay, so one one thing that I'll keep and this is um something that David and company touched on is the Sunspell polo 100%. One million yeah. percent. The outfit's yeah. difficult. When I wear it, I wear much skinnier, form-fitted. Well, you know what I mean? Like, just more fitted chinos. But, but that's how people dressed in 2006, and that's the difficult right, thing with right, this, that right. baggy trousers were acceptable then. That was, like, the time of you had trousers and Converse that dragged on the floor so that they right. were ripped. Like, right. that was how they looked. Yeah, so... As far as an outfit I'll keep, and this is a cardigan one, but it's different. When they're looking, him and Mathis are looking down at the cops getting those guys out of the trunk. He's yeah. got on the cardigan. I think it's it's got to be Sunspell. It's a Sunspell blue T-shirt. If not, it's just a blue T-shirt, but I'm assuming it's Sunspell. Then he's got like kind of like a grayish, charcoalish. They almost look like either small checked or like houndstooth. like charcoalish? Charcoalish. That's, I think that's it, a wouldn't it be charcoalish? Charcoalish. Ish. Ish. Yeah. Um, charcoalish. Well, but he he walks up next to him and he's got his hand in his pocket and the in the Omega is just like full display. Love yeah. that. But here to wrap this episode up, I've gotten one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 comments and 18 minutes on this question. What, so what I, was technically question? I posed Sorry, two. Yeah, so first I said, when Die Another Day first came out, what did you think? And then the very next question is, did Casino Royale change your opinion of Die Another Day for better or worse? Now, obviously, we couldn't target exactly who we wanted to, but I'll, I think we can reach out to some of the more seasoned bond fans and get their opinion via dm but um and then maybe discuss it in a couple weeks but i've got loved it saw it three times in theaters waited for dvd release felt like 300 years then we've got lorenzo kite surfing get me out of this theater con mon this is connor who we've had on the show yeah i loved it and then slowly realized it wasn't that good a lot of people bond on a budget said it was trash and then uh, let's do what else. Let's see. Okay, so then somebody answered the second part and said, okay, here. They answered both. Was happy, but in retrospect, it's not good. And then to the Casino Royale said, it made, your, it made their opinion worse. And then Bond on the yeah. Budget said, it didn't really change his opinion. I hated Die Another Day at the time I saw it. And then we've got, I didn't watch it when it first came out. When I did, though, I thought it was... It was so bad, it was good. That, that like, not even to make a joke, that was kind of like a lot of people thought with, like, the older ones. Like, they're just so goofy that they're kind of good. Yeah. Um, we've got Dying Other Day screens. But, when you look back, the best example of that, I always think, is, like, Man with the Golden Gun. Like, yeah, I've definitely seen that before, but when I went back and rewatched that, I was just like, what is this? Nick like, Mack in the third. Yeah. yeah. So we've got Die Another Day screams 90s, 2000s escapism for how bad the real world was. Casino Royale, which is – that's an interesting perspective. I, I appreciate that one. 
Casino Royale was a nice gritty change. Then all I can say is it's hard to be Casino. And then the Casino Royale question for me, it was a fresh, brand new start, a cleanse, a rebrand, a refocus for the Bond franchise, 100%. I got somebody who said, what is DAD? Come on, guy. Um, let's see. Cameron Cross said that he loved Die Another Day when it came out. And then for Casino Royale, he said Casino Royale was different from what we're all used to, but I still liked it. I still have the ticket stub. And then Danny Gomez, when that one came out, this guy, hold on. Danny Gomez said it was go- it was going to be better better than The World Is Not Enough. And then he said to Casino Royale, it made Die Another Day look really bad. Agreed with that. And then this guy, I got to shout this guy out, Bond's Basement. Like, what are we, brothers or something? <laughs> but he said, I remember liking the opening hour, then it just kept getting worse. Very, very, very common opinion yeah. amongst the community. And some people will say 20 minutes. Some people will say um, when he gets to Havana. Some people will say it's Havana, right? Yeah, it's Cuba, yeah. I think. Yeah. It's, so when he gets there... And then they say when he leaves there, there's a lot of different opinions, but that saying that the beginning's good and then it dwindles is a very common, but that's all I got so far. So yeah, I think we should reach out to some of the, you know, David's Joe's gentlemen like that and just kind of think, you know, what their opinion was, um, of die another day at the time. And then what Casino Royale did to them, because I can tell you right now, my dad is not a big movie person. But and I've spoken to other people's, you know, parents about it because it's just a common thing when I either meet parents or see parents, they somehow tend to talk about um, James Bond because they know, you know, about my obsession. But, um, you know, I've I've heard that a lot of people missed the witty, cheesy, gadgety Bond, the one liners. And and that's just not the Daniel Craig style. So yeah. I'd be interested in seeing what some of the some of the guys in the community could have different opinions, but that's it for me on this one. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I'd I'd just love to know from anyone who maybe saw Die Another Day at like at a later stage in their life, when they were that bit more mature, when they were I, I wanna say forty. I don't know why that age is standing out to me, but I feel like that is the age where it's like Anytime before that, you could almost accept that film. When you hit that sort of like 40 odd, you're just, your your tolerance for shit seems to just plummet. Like, right. Right. I'd love to know what someone thought of that and then the follow on from that. You know, did it turn you off? Did it, you know, were you were you writing Bond off after Die Another Day? Right. Or is that something that we do me, now in retrospect? Right. Right. Agreed completely. And I was going to say, I think for me, my answer to that being, you know, almost 30 and having been very young watching the the Brazen films. And then, you know, there was a pretty big gap in between Brazen and Craig and there's been pretty big gaps in between Craig and Craig. But uh, I've said this before, and I think I said it maybe with Brian Levesque on here. Shout out to James Bond aficionado. I can't remember if it was him or not, but after Craig's film came out, I was able to say, you just need to be in a specific mood for each actor. So if you're in the mood for super suave and cool, but somewhat modern, Pierce Brosnan's your guy. If you're into the gritty, 
maybe Timothy Dalton, like nostalgic gritty, Timothy Dalton, modern day gritty, Daniel Craig, and so on with the rest of the actors. But I think that's really it. It just depends on the mood you're in for me. Yeah, definitely. No, I couldn't agree agree more with that. Also, quick one there. You mentioned Brian. He's also got a new podcast out with Chris from British Bond Addict. Yep. Go and have a quick listen if you haven't already. This Never Happened to the Other Podcast, I believe, is the name of that one. Yeah, that's it. Um, Brian, if you're listening to this, I know you're recovering from surgery. I hope that's going well, buddy. And we will get around to having you back on to finish up this Sean Connery raking. As promised. We are are the most disorganized, organized pair out in the James Bond community, I feel, at times. But we are doing our best. That's right. But, hey, this episode turned out pretty good. I thank you for – running with this topic i know it was somewhat last minute but uh i thought with it being 15 years we should dive into it and i think it turned out pretty good buddy yeah no perfect well thank you everyone for listening and we will see you in two weeks not a week two weeks thanks guys cheers